Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 506. Focus on having more experiences and fewer things. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Mike Silverman. Mike, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I'm cinching up my belts and checking my mirrors. (laughs) All right. Cool. Love it. Mike Silverman is from Scottsdale, Arizona, where he's the owner and publisher at Vintage Motorsport Magazine, the Journal of Motor Racing History. He's been racing vintage cars for over 16 years, and his publication is known as the go-to magazine and website in the vintage motorsport world. He's been a journalist his entire life, having worked in the showbiz trade and other venues, and then in 2002, following his passion for historic race cars, he joined Vintage Motorsport's as a general manager, and in 2012, he purchased the publication. I'm a lifelong fan and subscriber to Vintage Motorsports Magazine. If you love old race cars, you'll love it too. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career, your magazine, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. Well, we can skip the early days of, of my, my childhood and uh, growing up in White Plains, New York, <laughs> but... Uh, I have a lifelong passion for journalism because apparently I had some skill as a writer. So I basically went to journalism school at Northwestern University in Chicago mm-hmm. where I did two fun things. One, I became an avid Chicago Bears fan, which is <laughs> the Bears. not necessarily the most rewarding fandom. <laughs> uh, I also met my wife of 32 years there. Wow, cool. Late in the uh, in the game. So. Those are two nice things I took from Chicago. Absolutely. Uh, my first job in a newspaper was uh, in a small Midwestern weekly in Mendota, Illinois, as I like to say, where the corn meets the horizon. <laughs> yes. It was such a small town. When I got there for my first day on the job, the water tower said, six, Mendota, Illinois, 61325. <laughs> I thought, wow, there's 61,000 people living here. I soon found out that that was the zip code, not the population. Yep. After that, I went to uh, New York. I started working at Variety, uh, the showbiz trade paper weekly in New York. And then uh, I went 
two years later after I got married, we shipped out to the West Coast to Hollywood, California, where Variety had a daily newspaper for the Hollywood trade. Okay. And I worked there for about 12 years, uh, starting out as a copy editor, um, then became associate publisher, and then we had, <laughs> we were bought out by a giant corporation. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of suits around all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they made me publisher, and I did a real good job for them, but I had a five-year contract after the acquisition and a five-year non-compete, which I would never do again. Uh, yeah. They just can't pay you enough for a five-year non-compete, especially at that stage in your career. Sure. Then the earthquake in Northridge bounced us. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a pretty bad one uh, in 94. Yeah, I remember. I was, us. I was living in San Diego. We felt it down there, too. Oh, yeah. No, that was a, it was a doozy. About one in three houses in my neighborhood were damaged so badly they were condemned. Luckily, we, we uh, were okay, but we had to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, my wife, who was from Chicago, did she absolutely did not like the idea of the earth moving under your feet. Mm, no. Uh, so we relocated to Scottsdale or Phoenix, Arizona, after a long search in various markets um, where one of the criteria was no seismic episodes ever, <laughs> <laughs> or at least that you could notice on a Richter scale. Yeah. And then I moved here to Phoenix and went to work for the Arizona Republic, which is the major daily newspaper here. On the advertising side, that was a new switch for me because I'd been basically on the, uh, well, I guess a variety was also on the advertising side at the end. But, you know, I'm one of those rare beasts who can do, shall we say, cross the Chinese wall between advertising and editorial. Mm. So I can sort of do both mm-hmm. functions. And then I dabbled in another magazine here after I left the Republic called Arizona Homes and Lifestyles. Uh, but that was a underfund- an underfunded entity. Mm. So that that uh, I think the owner sold the magazine to the printer. Ah, okay. Ultimately. One of those, you, yeah. Most printers don't want to own a magazine. No. They want, to, they want to build them, but they don't want to own them. Yeah. So, and then uh, in 2002, um, I was asked to help out at uh, Vintage Motorsport. So I went over there, and I've been there since 2002. Yeah. And I, I actually started Vintage Racing in 2000. So nice. that sort okay. of fueled my... My ardor for the sport and for the magazine. And I've been there ever since. And you're a staple now that you own the company and enjoying uh, vintage racing and writing about it and showing the rest of us uh, folks. Uh, as you know, I used to race vintage cars. I need to get back into it because I miss it. It was a great, great thing to do and quite fun. But uh, I'm so happy you're still behind the wheel and having fun. You're driving an MGA these days? Yeah, uh, 57 MGA. You know, I've always liked British cars. Yeah. And this one was also, the other important part was it was affordable. Yes. Yeah, that helped. And was, it was, my wife actually said, gave permission to purchase a race car when she said, is that all it costs? <laughs> and so I, comma, he lied and said, why, yes, honey, that's all it costs. Yeah. Um, I neglected <laughs> to mention the, the in-between race care and feeding of the, uh, of the race car. Oh, yes. I always say after I came back from Sears Point, back when it was called Sears Point, and blew up both race cars' engines, uh, that Ooh. my uh, sponsorship money got diverted towards college education for my kids. So, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that will usually do it. That'll do it. That one definitely did it. That was a painful weekend. Well, as we continue on your journey, I would like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning 
here on Cars Yeah. Michael, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. Sure. I don't know if you're looking for a mantra or a a bromide, as they call them, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think uh, a good mantra, not for me, but possibly for anybody, is to find something you love or enjoy, and it won't really be work. You know, yep. the money will usually follow, because if you really enjoy what you're doing, you tend to be pretty good at it or get better at it. Right. Um, and if you're the best in your business or your segment, usually customers will find you. Right. Yeah. Because you know, quality sells. And enthusiasm also doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, it doesn't hurt. And if you love what you're doing, you'll spend an inordinate amount of time doing it. Unlike uh, eight to five jobs, if anybody has an eight to five job, I'm not quite sure what that is, but uh, I know I've never had one. But uh, at any rate, I understand completely. <laughs> You love vintage cars. You you race now. You've been racing for a while. So obviously, you've incorporated that mantra into what you do in your livelihood, right? Yes, I'm very lucky in yeah. that respect. Yeah. Yeah. When I said the money will follow, um, apparently not not as much as I had hoped. <laughs> well, because otherwise I'd be racing a, a Ferrari short wheelbase. Oh, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. just keep working hard. Just keep working hard. That's my advice for you. Would you share? with us, a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment as you look back in your life when you realized that you were a car guy, or did it come later in life? Actually, there were two two pivotal moments. The first one was, good Lord, I must have been about four, four years old, maybe five. And my dad was a big sports car nut. He he grew up, he had a like a Jaguar XK120 coupe wow. back when they were new. Nice. Um, you know, he actually got to, he went to college and actually got to drive that around. You can imagine being a college student in 1954 with a Jag 120 coupe. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That was a style and ride. He had a family. We had, uh, there were four kids. You know, I have three siblings. You know, we had a station wagon, of course, but he, he's kept at least for, for a while his, uh, it was about a 56 MGTD. Okay. Or TF, I forget which. It wasn't a TC, but it was a TF or a TD. It was red. Uh-huh. And I remember he took me out for a, a sporting drive one afternoon, and I was in the passenger seat. And he was driving. I remember he had a pipe clenched in his, in his teeth back when that was stylish, I suppose. <laughs> and he was, you know, hauling the, the car around pretty good. It was making all the right, you know, whizzy little British car engine noises. But if you've ever been in a one of those T-Series MGs, the doors are pretty flimsy. They're basically a piece of plywood with some sort of little locking nut or something that barely holds the door closed. And he went around a, a left-hand corner, and it kind of threw me from the seat, you know, along the seat into the door, which maybe wasn't latched as well as it should have been. And the door flew open. Oh no! And I'm thinking, wow, this is fun. And then the door opened, and all I know is I looked over. And the look on his face as he grabbed me yeah. by the shirt and dragged me back in the car. Yeah, that um, would have been a bad story to bring home to mom. Well, except I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it. It was exciting, <laughs> and thrilling, and it, it, there was you know lots of occasionally the unexpected. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably my first memory of sports cars. Very cool. It was terrifying and exciting at the same time. And the the second seminal event was. Uh, you know, of course, after all the kids were in college, um, and you know, my dad had been um, a little more successful. He bought um, a Ferrari Lusso. Oh my back gosh! In the, in the late mid to late seventies, back when you could buy one for Cadillac money. Yeah. I mean, for used Cadillac money. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it was a 
you know, so he was a member of the Ferrari club and they would always go to, he'd do the track days when they'd have the, you know, the, the shall we call it spirited laps at Lime Rock or Watkins Glen. Mm-hmm. So I was about 19 at the time and I have an identical twin brother, which is a scary thought in itself. <laughs> but, uh, he took, he took us up to Watkins Glen for this big Ferrari club meet. And, you know, they're doing all their sessions in the morning, and I'm just ooing and eyeing over all the cars and the noises they're making. And at lunchtime, they have what they call touring laps, where you can just take your streetcar out or your, your Ferrari out and, and go at it. And there was, he, threw, he threw a pair of 19-year-olds the keys to his black Lusso Ferrari. Ooh, wow. And I thought, I don't believe he's late. He says, go take it out on the touring laps. Yeah. Have fun, but don't break anything. Yeah. I thought he's out of his mind. <laughs> so my brother knew how to drive a stick at the time because he was a he'd been a working summers as a valet while I was working as a waiter. So he he drove the, the the four or five speed manual, and I was in the the passenger seat navigating and and watching the mirrors because there were a lot of cars out there, including I remember a Chevron like a B twenty eight. Or a Chevron B29 sports racer. Oh my gosh. Was yeah. Howling fast. right behind us. Yeah. <laughs> and so he could barely, you know, he had his hands full just following a track that he'd never been on. Yeah. You know, Watkins Glen, it's, it's up, it's down, it's left, it's right. It's, there's a lot of um, twisty bits. Of course. Uh, so I, I just remember, I couldn't believe my dad, A, gave us the keys, and B, let us do that <laughs> at that age. Nice. When most 19 year olds, you know, Probably should have the keys taken away from them. Yeah. Wow. Uh, nice dad. That was the other event that really sort of cemented me into, I really have to learn how to drive a stick shift, and I really have to get a sports car. Yeah, I think so. Wow. What what fun. Your dad has some awfully nice cars. Absolutely. What I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and have you talk about a huge career challenge or even better yet, a, a career failure that you face, something that really uh, had you up against a wall. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? Oh, well, I could talk about the earthquake, which is basically just a, an unplanned, terrifying event where basically you're, you think your house is going to crumble around you. Yep. And what that did was it, just briefly, it cued me. I had a five-year non-compete at the time, as, as they say, between gigs mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And we decided we were going to move. Yeah. Because uh, we didn't want to go through that again. Because um, there was no reason. My wife said, there's nothing holding you here in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, but I like Hollywood. She says, yeah, but you can't work in it. <laughs> so um, that really cued me to focus on finding, um, the right place for us to relocate with enough opportunity. Yeah. So I did a lot of, uh, market research, flew up to, you know, network with, uh, publishing companies in a bunch of Western markets like Reno, Austin, Tucson, Phoenix, Las Vegas. Um, and we settled on Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what that taught me was, you know, plan ahead, um, and, be open to new opportunities. So oh, it worked yeah. out pretty well for me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, at least I'm not I'm not unemployed and I'm not broke yet. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Let's shift yeah. gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to talk about a one of those career aha moments. It's a time when the, those old speak about Ferraris, those old Marshall lights come on and illuminate your way for a new idea or a new direction. And tell us the steps you took to turn that career aha moment into a success. Oh, that was pretty simple. Uh, the, the aha moment was when I decided to uh, to buy Vintage Motorsport 
basically I had um, I'd been working with uh, the staff down. Uh, they were based in Lakeland, Florida. That was the corporate office, and I was basically the GM working out of my house in Phoenix. And you know, it was sort of a, it was pretty much a team effort. But you know, I had a boss uh, yeah. who was the publisher at the time. But it's about 2011 or 2012. And I got a call from her. I was supposed to go on a, a little ski trip to the White Mountains in Arizona. Um, and she called and said, you need to be in Lakeland, Florida on Monday. I said, well, I'm just supposed to be coming back for my, my planned vacation ski trip on those days. And she said, well, no, you got to be in Florida on Monday. So I had to scrub the trip, which, you know, kind of ticked me off. Everything had been set. Sure. So I fly down. I said, uh, well, what am I going to Florida for? She said, to meet your new boss. Oh. Now, this is a woman I'd been working with closely for, uh, you know, probably 10 years. Yeah. And without so much as a hint or a discussion or, you know, what do you think of this idea? She had basically decided to bring in, I guess you call it a sales manager, hmm. above me, you know, to basically suddenly he's going to be telling me what to do. And I didn't know what she was going to be doing, but obviously less work and probably more money. So I was pretty cheesed off about how that was handled. I didn't think that was really straightforward or um, yeah, or honest, which is pretty much how I roll. Mm -hmm. So I went down to Florida and went through the meeting, met the new guy. You know, he was nice. No, no knock on him, but I don't think he knew the whole situation. Yeah. So basically, um, she she said something. You know, I, I basically on the second day of the meeting, I said, "You and I need to talk." Took her in a, a private room or her office and shut the door. And I gave her the what for verbally, saying this was absolutely not acceptable to me. And how you know how could she pull this stunt on me? And in a nice southern accent, she was a nice lady, I suppose. In a nice southern accent, she said, "Well, you're just acting like a poor little redheaded stepchild." Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when 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 she threw that comment at me, I just right then and there my brain clicked and it said, I am going to solve this problem my own way yeah. and on my you know. I basically that was when I decided I was gonna do whatever it took to buy the magazine. Uh -huh, okay. And take control of <laughs> and take control of my future yeah. instead of leaving it in someone else's hands. Yeah, absolutely. So that was that was the aha moment. Yeah, I think so. Poor little stepchild. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, it's a great lesson for worker, young people, old people, whatever condition you're in out there. There's a great book that I read years ago called Who Moved Who Moved Your Cheese, I think is the title of it. And it oh, talk, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it talks about always being prepared for that day when somebody moves your cheese. And uh, somebody definitely moved your cheese on that one. That would be that nice southern lady down there in right. Florida. Well, either that, either she moved my cheese or she really cheesed me off. Well, that's why I brought up the book because <laughs> you mentioned that word, cheesing you off. But I think it's uh, it's a really appropriate and it's a great book for people because it, it helps you realize that you should always be prepared for something unexpected and be ready to make a move. And it's, it's written very simply, very easy. It's two little mites in a maze. And uh, I gave both my kids that book when they went through changes in their lives from junior high to high school and then high school to college. So a uh, nice little segue and a nice plug for that book. Now let's talk a little bit about your proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you? Probably when I was at Variety. Well, there were a couple of, of those. One had to do with uh, a reviewer. One of our, uh, you know, Variety was a trade paper. They reviewed, One of their functions was to review films for the theater owners mm -hmm. to know 
you know, is this new film from Paramount or 20th Century Fox, is it a stinker or is it going to bring people in? What are its prospects? You know, the the newspaper had been doing that for 75 years at that point. Hmm. Uh, so they had a pretty good brand and a lot of trust in the in the reviews that we were we were putting out. And somebody reviewed Patriot Games, which is this big Harrison Ford Irish Irish English spy thriller from uh, from Paramount Pictures. And our reviewer reviewed the film, didn't care for it much. And, you know, basically he he panned the film in the in the review. And the editor of Variety in New York at the time ran the review, and then Paramount took great umbrage at the tone or the content of the review, and said they were going to pull their advertising. <laughs> Ouch! Uh, well, for for decades, Variety was actually founded on that concept, where an advertiser told the founder, you know, if uh, you're going to if you're going to pan our act, we're going to pull our ads. And he said, "Go ahead, yeah. I'm writing for." The theater goer is not for you. Right. So that's kind of how the, the newspaper you know, basically stood its ground. And over the years, that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I'm publishing the, the West Coast Daily. The editor on the East Coast knuckled under to the studio and threw the reviewer under the bus. He pulled the review and ran a different, wrote his own review and ran it again. This mm-hmm. is after it's already been in print oh. <laughs> on the West Crazy. Coast Daily. So I, now I'm on the spot and uh, basically... I said, the, the editor threw our own reviewer under the bus. This is, of course, after the corporate suits took over. And I said to them, you either chop this editor for doing that because you'll never be able to hire another reporter in, in this town after you do that so publicly. Right. Right. And, you know, the, it's like most businesses. The, the business is made of the – you hire the best people and give them the ability to do their job. Sure. Um, and you don't throw them under the bus. Right. If – you know, you have to stand your ground and have some ethics. And this guy just caved to the studio. So I went absolutely ape nuts. And I really defended the reviewer and the paper's reputation and told the new owners, you're going to lose ads for a week or a month. But if you don't do what I'm telling you, this is going to linger on and on. Sure. I lost that battle, but I won the war because the producer of the film, actually one of the producers off the record called me, after it was all over, and basically he he said, you know, <laughs> you were right to stand on your principles, and the advertising came back anyway. I was very encouraged by the actual producer saying, no, you were right. It wasn't our best film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I lost I lost that that I lost that battle, but um, I won the ethics war anyway. There you go. Good for you. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first? And I'll emphasize first, really special car. And maybe you can share a memory you have with that vehicle. Well, let's see. My first really special car um, was not my mother's rusted out 1966 Ford Country Squire wagon with wood paneling on the sides that I drove throughout high school. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, no, you could carry seven girls in it, but um, you know, it wasn't exactly um, – the local muscle car. No. No, the first real special car I bought, I still have. It was a 68 Jaguar Series 1.5 E-Type convertible. Oh, goodness. That I bought in 1988, 28 years ago. Wow. And I still have it, and I still drive it just about every week. One in particular memory of driving that Jaguar E-Type Roadster was uh, on the Copper State 1000 
I think it was around 1999 or 2000, and my twin brother and I were in the E-Type Coupe. My dad was uh, um, basically auditioning our stepmother, um, who he had just met, in his red E-Type Coupe, and he had his <laughs> racing buddy, John Harden, in an SS100 Jaguar. So there are three Jaguars with Silverman's in them, or friends, running around the Copper State. And one of the memories was, if you've ever been on one of these uh, police-escorted road rallies, the police often let you flex your car's muscles under controlled circumstances. So I, I just remember, now this is a, a 40-year-old car at the time. It has wire wheels and little skinny 185 tires. Yeah. And this motorcycle patrolman on a Kawasaki comes up next to us, and he points at me, and he points down the road, and then he motions with his finger, follow me at speed. Huh. And this guy took off uh, at about 130 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. We were doing probably 70 at the time. And so I stepped on the, the throttle on this E-Type. And I know when the E-Types first came out, they were said, you know, they called it like 150 mile an hour top speed. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe on steel Halibrand wheels, but <laughs> on wire wheels... We we were doing about 125, and I could just feel the the vibration, <laughs> and so my brother and I looked at each other. And we said, "Let's slow down now." Yeah, you know, yeah. That was about as fast as I wanted to go on old tires and wire wheels. Oh goodness! Well, fun, fun. Those rallies and tours are absolutely spectacular. You're very fortunate to get to do that, and uh, yeah, get to be a little spirited, if you will. Yeah, not very often. With no no risk of the. Uh, the popo, as they say, behind you with his lights on. Instead, he was in front of you, egging you on. So that's pretty, right, exactly. pretty unique Providing in and of itself. Escort. Yeah. Well, what about going back to that uh, seller's remorse question? What about the car that got away that you really wish you had back? Is there one that kind Oh, of, sure. Yeah. Um, actually, I didn't sell it. My dad did. He, uh, My dad, I was lucky enough to be um, the son of a guy who he had it bad for English race cars. And when... He successfully sold his business. He had enough money. He went out and he basically became the biggest Lister race car collector on the planet. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think at one point he must have had five or six, you know, one of each variety, whether it was a Nobly with a Jaguar engine or a Costin-bodied Lister with a with a Chevy Corvette engine. And he threw me the keys to, uh, to the, one of the Lister Jag, which I got to race for about 12 years. But then he hung up his helmet, and it was time to sell all the race cars. And this is this is like it was a Cunningham team car from 1959 that Walt Hanskin won the uh, the national SCCA championship in. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Oh, it was a fabulous car. It, I, it made me look good. It's just so easy to drive. <laughs> um, I, so I have incredible race memories, you know, on film in my head. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if there's one car that I could get Dad to buy back. Mm-hmm. That would be it, because I certainly can't afford one. Oh, you know, they're... they've now, you know, they're like all the other high-end cars. They've basically doubled or tripled in value. Right. Uh, well, you got to enjoy it for an awful long time, and that's pretty. Oh, pretty no kidding. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh... I'm like Pinocchio, the luckiest boy in the in the toy shop. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Geppetto. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. <laughs> Well, what about current projects? Let's, let's talk about what you're doing with the magazine these days. What has you excited and fired up right now at Vintage Motorsport? Well, you know, I used to work out of uh, out of my home, 
and not the office in Florida. So now we've relocated the offices to Scottsdale, and I now hear the calls coming in from the subscribers. And it's just very encouraging and validating where basically they're calling up and saying, this is the greatest magazine ever. I've stopped subscribing to all the other ones, Motor Trend, Automobile, Road and Track, but yours is so good, I'm, it's the only one I'm still getting. Well, that's you know, nice. I that a lot. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Now, I just wish there were, you know, five, five million of those guys instead of just, you know, yeah. 15,000 of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's very validating to hear that. Because yeah. really, the magazine, is, it's all about content. Yeah. You know, quality yeah. sells. And I get excited. Like, I, I'm also the proofreader. So if you find any typos in vintage motorsport, call me and let me know. Call Mike and if, if let there him are, know. If there are, it's my fault. But our previous issue, the, the one that's on the stands right now, uh, the March-April issue, had so much content in it. I was just astounded. I said, this is a really good issue. Yeah. You know, we had Continental Divide Raceway. We had the Microlube specials, which were American perch- American-bought Maserati, you know, big block V8 Maseratis that – we're one of the first examples of uh, sponsorship in a race car. I get jazzed reading my own magazine. Well, that's because you love what you do. And I mentioned at the beginning of our talk here, I've been a subscriber for a long time, and I've got your issue here in my hand with a beautiful Tyrrell on the cover. That's the issue I was talking about, yeah. Absolutely. I've got it in my hands here. Yeah, wonderful. And I've subscribed and read your magazine for a long, long time. I don't know how many years, but I've been enjoying it for a long time you guys are doing an excellent job so thank you from one enthusiast to another and uh if i find a typo i won't pick on you too hard so don't worry about right. it just send an eraser there you go absolutely yeah. well, thank you for your support uh, absolutely absolutely i've loved it loved it for a long time the other current projects that are exciting us are we're redesigning our website because we think it's time to make the website more closely match you know, the rather elegant graphics of the magazine. Yes, uh, great. You I know. love it. And we're also thinking about, you know, we're analyzing the possibility of uh, taking our archives and digitizing them. Okay, yeah, great idea. Easy, you know, because if you think we've been doing this for uh, 34 years, we've got just a ton of amazing archival photos and stories and content. The real trick is if you can do it economically enough where it makes sense to do it oh yeah you you could digitize it all and and not make money at it i mean we're we're not going to get rich off it but um it is a resource that we've got we're just i don't think we're exploiting it enough or offering enough huge huge project you've got before you so uh i hope you're able to make some sense with that and do that it'll be a enjoyable source for all us vintage racing enthusiasts i love it well in a pinch we still have uh in a pinch we still have six tons of back issues that we moved from florida Oh, goodness. All nicely indexed and boxed. So There you go. We know where they are. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You can get a hard copy instead of an electronic copy. Well, you know, that's the, the way things are going in the future. Everything is changing. So uh, glad to see you moving that direction. Glad to see you working on the website and uh, bringing that up to state as well. So, Mike, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 
Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Mike, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag is out. It's time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Ooh, that's easy. Buy a vintage car you love, not to make money on it. Yes, absolutely. Very important. Just in case when that bubble bursts, which I think we're in one, it seems like, right now, uh, and you're stuck with that car, you're stuck with something you love and can enjoy. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Perseverance. Oh, yes. Definitely needed for an entrepreneur and a racer. Absolutely. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy that you like as well? Like, Well, I think most of them probably know it, but one of the best websites, and it's not really about vintage cars, but everybody needs a daily driver. And whether you're buying a new car or a, a pre-owned, you know, or used car, mm-hmm. or you're sell, trying to sell your current used car and find out what it's worth, I just think Edmunds.com uh, is one of the best sites around to tell you what your car is worth by zip code, by mileage, by equipment. Um, and they're usually pretty close to reality. Yeah, yeah. From my experience. Great yeah, site. I don't think anybody should go out and walk into a, an auto dealership without having first stopped on Edmunds.com. Yeah, and absolutely. They really give you a lot of negotiating tools and information that you can use to buy smarter and buy better, whether it's new or used. Yeah, great advice. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read lately that you think the Car Shadow listeners would enjoy reading as well? Actually, it's a, a book that's cl- near and dear to my heart because uh, I used to race listers all over the the U.S. in my, you know, in my, I don't know, footloose and fancy free days, but uh, it's called Archie and the Listers ah. and it's by Robert Edwards. It's a terrific story basically about overcoming, this guy overcame a physical handicap. I mean, he had like claw feet and, and disfigured hands and 
the French wouldn't even let him race a car. Mm. And I think it was Le Mans or one of the French, one of the French uh, sports car events. And this guy was probably in the same league as Ster- Sterling Moss and Roy Salvadori in this in that time period, as far as winning races and his skill as a driver. It's a pretty heroic story, I yeah. think. Great resource. And the cars are cool, too. <laughs> Absolutely. The cars are way cool. Well, listeners, you can enjoy all these great resources that Mike's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Mike Silverman. And there's a great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books where this book and all the past 505 guest books are listed for quick, easy links to buy. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Mike, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car or one collector race car, in your case, in your garage, but don't worry about the price, I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that vehicle be and why? I think it'd have to be a Ford GT40 Mark II. Ooh. Because that car won Le Mans three out of four years, if you, you know, four years if you include the Mark IV, and that was, you know, 66 through 69. It's a British design chassis from Lola with American power plant and American ingenuity. Carroll Shelby obviously was instrumental in that whole program. It was the first U.S. car to win at Le Mans overall. It lets you race in any vintage racing event, anywhere, anytime. If it's a real GT40, it's got the chops. Yeah, I can get it. And they look cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, they look cool. That's an understatement. Wow, well, you picked an awesome car, Mike, and you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I I've really enjoyed your stories. I love catching up with you, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset or down the racetrack in that Ford GT40 Mark II? Sure. Well, first off, about the GT40, are you gonna? You said you you could buy it for me, but you're absolutely, need about 10, you'll need about ten million. That's so. okay. Don't worry about it. You know, I I'll buy give cars. You the shipping address later. I buy cars for everybody <laughs> every day. The last guy that was on wanted a GTO, so it's okay, buddy. I'll, you just let me know uh, what Pontiac, color. Pontiac, Pontiac, or Ferrari? No, no, Ferrari GTO. Yeah, definitely of course. the big one. But <laughs> what color would you like your uh, Ford GT40 in? Ooh, I think I like blue with white stripes. Oh, blue with white. Okay, the classic. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I have a Matchbox by Lesney that was my first Ford GT40, and those are the colors. So I've always said uh, when I get mine someday, that's the color it's going to be. So you made a great choice. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Mine was an HO Aurora slot car. Yeah, actually. had one of those too. <laughs> We're from the same generation, so we all yeah. did the same thing. You wanted one final parting word of advice about business life, et cetera? Okay. Okay. Pretty simple. I think focus on having more experiences and fewer things. Enjoy the ride. I love it. That is very eloquently said. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Vintage Motorsport Magazine? The easiest way to learn about us, you could go to the website, or you could go buy a copy on the newsstand and see if you like it. And if you do, there's a little free postage paid card in, in each magazine. You can fill it out and send it in, and we'll, you know, we'll bill you later. <laughs> um, and we'll start sending you magazines as if you would like. Absolutely. Uh, and the website address is pretty simple. It's vintagemotorsport.com. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Mike's been so kind to share today at carsyad.com. Just type Mike in the search bar, 
any show notes page will pop right up. And I would encourage you, if you haven't picked up a copy of his magazine, pick up a copy and enjoy it. Go to his website, enjoy that. If you have any kind of passion for vintage motor racing or vintage cars, it's a great magazine. It's a publication, like I said, I've been getting for, uh, feels like decades now. I uh, really love it, <laughs> and I know you'll love it too. Mike, thanks for being so generous today for sharing your time and your expertise and sharing your experiences with the Cars Yell listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Terrific. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'll see you at the races. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.